Have you ever wondered what it might have been like to go to church in the first century? Have you ever thought about what it might be like or what it was like to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus in the church and to go to church and to be a part of things in the first century, back when it all got started, with those that were closest to the action? Not really, man. Never crossed my mind. <laughs> it's 2018. That was a long time ago. I'm with you. I get it. I get it. We got a lot going on. And you probably don't sit around and think about that kind of stuff. Um, that's my job. I think about that kind of stuff from time to time. But let me tell you, and I know you're probably thinking, well, I, dude, why should I even care about that? Let me tell you why you should care. You should care. And you should at least consider it because you're so busy. Because you got so much going on. And you at least need to take a quick time out today with me and consider if what is going on in your life is at least reflective in any way of what it was going on in the lives of people who say they believe what you say you believe. And, and for people who, who say, you know, they were following Jesus just like you say you're following Jesus, but they were much closer to the action than you and I are. Much closer to when it was all just kind of laid out at the very beginning than you and I are today in the 21st century. And so at least we should consider that if they had these things in their lives, and this is what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus when you were closest to when Jesus lived, we need to consider that as important and maybe reconsider what's going on in our lives. That's why you should care what it was like back then. You know, it's funny. Is there are actually some churches that exist in the world that they would answer this question? Yeah, we know what it was like in the first century. It's exactly like what we are right now. <laughs> like, you know, when I was growing up in church, I grew up, I grew up Baptist and we were, we were taught that everybody in the Bible was Baptist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah. Isn't it Isn't it funny? That's so funny. I mean, just a simple reading of history can like blow holes in that kind of thing. It's just, really? No. Here's the truth. We don't know for sure what it was like to go to church in the first century. Nobody recorded it. Nobody had a video. Nobody had a phone out. And no one, you know, put it in a Google file or something for us to watch later, you know. We don't know for sure, but that means... We're free to experiment. We're free to be different. We're free to try different things. But here's what we do know. We do know the kinds of things that they were about. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but we know the kinds of things, the key behaviors, the characteristics that made up their time together as followers of Jesus, as a part of a local church. And we also know that church attendance, just showing up, checking the box, was not going to be enough. We learned from them that being scattered in a community was more important than just being gathered in a building. That's what we learned from the people who were closest to the action back in the first century. The first church, we learned from them. And they would know, right, because they, all this was fresh on their minds. They saw it happen. They were right there in the whole thing. That it was much more important as a local church, and we are being more the church when we are scattered 
in a community, being the hands and feet of Jesus, than when we just show up for one hour a week and gather in the building. It's so important. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen to me just for the next few moments. Because what I'm getting ready to say here in the next several minutes is primarily aimed and pointed to followers of Jesus, Christians. But this is why you should care about that. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is going to be extremely educational for you. And I don't mean that in a boring way. I mean that in a very, oh, that's what that means. Oh, that's why they do that. Oh, that's why my Christian friends do that in their life. Oh, that makes a lot of sense now. This is going to be extremely educational and informational for you. And I think before we're done, it might even be inspiring. But if you're a follower of Jesus, listen up. Perk up, because we got to consider. I mean, this first group of Christians, I mean, think about it. Think about it. They were closest to the action. These first group of Christians lived when Jesus was living on the earth, which means they heard him teach the things he taught. They were there. Many of these people were there when Jesus fed the 5,000. They remember what happened that day. They saw Jesus do a lot of his miracles. And they were there in the crowds when Jesus was crucified. And they watched him die. And they knew that he died because if you were living back there in the first century, you knew that nobody survived a crucifixion. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And they watched Jesus be buried. And perhaps many of them walked by the tomb in those three days and thought thoughts like, man, what a waste. It was a good run, though. Too bad. He was a good guy. And they were there when they started hearing news and the buzz that he's risen. He's alive. Oh, no, it's not possible. And then they see him. We're talking about people who saw Jesus after the resurrection because there was like one afternoon, the scriptures tell us, that over 500 people listened to Jesus teach all at once after the resurrection. That's crazy. This is the people we're talking about. And so they, they watched all of this happen, and, and they were there. On that day we talked about last week, the festival of Pentecost, when it's like the local church got kick-started. They were there, closest to the action. So what did their lives look like? There were some key behaviors existing in their life that need to exist in my life, in your life, if we're followers of Jesus. I mean, it just makes sense. If they did this and they were closest to the action, then we should do this. Not to mention the fact that these things we're going to be talking about are commanded and challenged all through the New Testament. These are the key behaviors that after being closest to the action, they saw as normal, natural, and necessary. Let's peer in on what it looked like back then because so many of these things need to be present in our experience today. We get a snapshot. All these believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The apostles' teachings. In other words, they, they took... Very seriously, what guys like Peter and James and John and Matthew, what these guys were teaching, because they learned from the master. They learned from Jesus, and Jesus taught them, and now they're teaching what Jesus taught. 
That was a very big part of their lives and should still be a big part of our lives too, followers of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's why we care about what Jesus said. That's why we listen to what Jesus taught. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. What's fellowship? That's one of those Jesus words. That's one of those churchy words, right? You probably heard your, you know, your Christian friends throw that word around, you know, fellowship, fellowship. That's kind of odd. Is that something you have to buy tickets to? What is that? It's not quite right. We don't use that word around here because we try not to use code words a lot that have to be decoded. But let me decode this for you. You know what fellowship is? It's Christians hanging out. There you go. They're spending time together, right? They devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is a reference to communion. But it went beyond communion. They, they spent time eating together. You're, you would be blown away what a big role food plays in the life of the local church. You'd be blown away. You're going to see it again. I mean, it's just the first time you're going to see it. You're going to see it again. And it's not by accident. Something happens. Something happens in your relationship with somebody when you eat together, right? Something just happens relationally. There's a dynamic. It's hard to put your finger on. It's hard to, it's hard to describe. That's why who you ate with in the lunchroom when you were in middle school was such a big deal. I'm not kidding. What table you sat at and who you ate with. Why? Because it said a lot about who you were and who, who was important to you and what was important to you. That's why the religious leaders got so upset when Jesus started eating with the worst kind of people in the neighborhood, the sinners. They were like, he's eating with them. Like, okay, why is that a big deal? Because who you eat with. And there's some of this happens. Some happens when you're Around food, together. It's spiritual. I'm telling you. You've got to take it seriously. They did. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Okay? You would, you would think that. You would think that. And we're going to talk about that before we're done in this series. The big part of their life. They were closest to the action. should be a big part of our lives. Let's keep going. And all the believers met together. That's big. Okay, we do that. We're doing that right now. Some of you join us online. Some of you are joining us live in one of our locations. We're meeting together and... They shared everything they had. And what did that look like? Well, they sold their property and the possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. I bet you've never gone to church, and that happened. That's what happened. So, next Sunday, I want, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I think I'm sick already. Because it was so important for them to care for the needs of others. That's the principle. It's not necessarily how they went about it, right? This is not saying you got to sell everything you got. The point is, is you need to do what you need to do to help meet the needs of those around you. That's what God's people do. That's what God's people, yeah, that's what they do. Let's keep going. They worship together at the temple each day. Okay? We understand that. They met in their homes for the Lord's Supper. Here it is again. And they shared their meals. That's a huge part of it. With great joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. Look how they were characterized. This was so important for them back then. Oh, it's, I would say it's even more important for us today. Joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. When I was growing up, I did not think of joy and generosity when I thought about, when I thought about Christians and church people. I thought about negative and stingy. 
They're negative and they're stingy. Well, something's always wrong in the world and they're always talking about what's wrong and they don't like this in Washington and they don't like this in the economy and they don't like this and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I don't know why handbaskets go to hell, but I just, <laughs> that didn't make sense to me, but that's what they always said, you know. Well, it ain't like it used to be in the good old days. I'm like, shut up. Stop it. Joy, joy, joy. Right? It, are, are you characterized by joy? If not, you need an attitude adjustment. You're a follower of Jesus. Generosity, generosity, generosity. They were givers. It's just who they were. You know why? Because they were close to the action and they knew how much of a giver Jesus was. It's huge. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So it was going great. And look what the natural result was when they were in environments like this and all these things were present in their life. Look what the natural result was. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, their, their group, hanging out, those who were being saved. And that word saved is one of those churchy words that we use to describe when people make a decision to put their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and they follow him. That's the natural result of when all of these behaviors are going, going on. Now, here at the summit, there is something we do here now that helps us continue on what they did back there. There are some things we do here. Now, we don't know exactly what it looked like back there, but we do know the characteristics. We just read them. So are there are things we do here that help us put into practice now what they did back then. And they're probably not going to be a surprise to you. And if you're new, this is going to be very educational. But if you're not new and you've been at the summit for a while or any period of time, you're going to like, yeah, that makes sense. But I want you to hang with me. I don't want you to dismiss this when you see it. Because you're like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know, I know, I know, but hang with me. Because we're going somewhere. Here are the things we put into place. Groups, serve, and giving. Groups, serving, and giving. Groups, serving, and giving. Groups, serving, and giving. Now, and you please understand that these are not boxes to check. We don't do these things just for the sake of doing them. These are not the kind of things that you go, well, I'm doing all of that, so I'm good. I'm good with God. No, you can do all of these things and be a jerk. And need a serious heart adjustment. Okay, these are not boxes to check and say, I'm good with God. I've got all of the key things. No, no, no. These things just help us put into practice the things that they did back then closest to the action. These things are environments that help facilitate spiritual growth and development. These things help us draw closer to God in faith, and they deepen our relationships with others. They help us do now what they did back then. That's why we do them. Let me break this down. Let's start and talk a second about groups. We saw the video right, right before the message, Tanya sharing her story, of how transformational a small group environment was to her and her family and her life. That is no mistake. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing the new groups t-shirt. Check this out. Yeah, isn't this cool? This is great. If you're in a group, you're going to get one of these when they come in. If you're in a group, if you're not in a group, you just have to watch us wear them. It's just, I think this is great. This is awesome. Better together, better together. So it's our new groups t-shirt. It's awesome. You say, what's on the back? Stuff. <laughs> We're talking about providential relationships. In groups, you will experience providential relationships, relationships that God brings into your life to help you 
and so that you can help them. They help you and allow you to help others. Others help you and you help them. It's a beautiful thing and we need it. I don't know if you've ever been to the Pacific Northwest. If you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, I hear you must go because I've never been and it is high on my list. Here's why. I love trees. I'm an outdoor guy. I'm a nature guy. I love trees. I love, and I want to see one of the big redwood trees badly. I want to get up close to these. These things, are, I've been told, are huge. We wanted to put a picture up here on the screen of one, but it wouldn't fit. That's how big they are. They're huge. These things can grow to be over 350 feet tall. Did you know that? That's like as tall as a football field is long, straight up, 350 feet. They can get like to 20 feet or more in width. It's wider than the stage. And they can live somewhere from 600 to 2,000 years old. Wow, you can drive, a, there's some that you can drive a car through and they actually have those. You can drive a car through, are you kidding me? Here's what's interesting though. The root system of a redwood tree only goes six feet deep. When I learned this, it blew my mind. Only grows six feet deep into the ground. Yet it goes 350 feet, up to 350 feet in the air, but only goes six feet down? Are you kidding me? How's that possible? Because the root system of a redwood tree doesn't go deep, it goes wide. It goes wide. And the root system of a redwood tree intermingles and intertwines and intersects with the root system of all of the other trees on the floors for around them. And so it goes wide and connects into a group of roots. And that's how it survives fire and wind and storm for decade after decade, century after century. They're connected into a group of roots. Listen very carefully. God did not create you, and you were not created, no one was, to go solo. You were not meant to do life alone. You were meant to do life in a group of roots. You need a group of roots. You must have a group of roots. Or life will topple you. It's only a matter of time. That's one of the reasons why we do the groups. It's helpless put into practice now what they did back then. We all need a group of roots. So let's talk about serving. Let's talk about this serve part. It's you being able to almost like have a, a personal ministry where you can meet needs in the lives of others, both in the church and in the community. Now, we serve in the church and we volunteer together. That ought to be a given. But it's even greater, not just when we're gathered here, but when we're scattered out there serving in the community. We, both are important. Both are needed. We just need to create environments and commit together. We just serve. We just do. That's just who we are. That's what we do. We serve. Now, maybe you look around and you go, oh, man, the summit, I hear you, but y'all don't need me. Y'all got it. Look at this. I don't see any holes. I mean, by the time I show up, people are serving. Everywhere I look, there's people serving. They park me. They welcome me. They smile at me. They seat me. They wave me by. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Y'all don't need me. Now, here's the deal. It's not about need, first of all. We certainly need you. You know why? Because there's a whole lot more serving to do than we are currently able to do, both inside the church and especially in the community. But here's the deal. When you think about need and you start examining need and you're looking for need, need when it comes to serving should never determine if you serve. It should only determine how you serve. If 
should be a foregone conclusion. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not about if. If is taken care of. You know why? You're a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you follow Jesus and you do what Jesus did. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. And then Jesus said, love each other and treat each other the way I have treated you. So if is not, you know, never say, well, they don't need me. Okay, well, that just means you may need to change how you're serving, but it's never an issue of if you're serving. And listen very carefully. You don't even need to pray about. You don't even need to pray about whether or not to serve. That's not even something to pray about. Don't waste your time praying about it because God's already told us what to do. It's amazing how, how much time we spend praying. Well, I'm going to pray about that, brother. I'm going to pray about that. Well, let me give you your answer. Yes, you should serve. It's not about if. Now, you want to pray about how? You want to pray about where? You want to pray about when? I get you, but you need to be serving. It's, it's what they did then. They were closest to the action. They knew. Jesus' teaching was fresh on their minds. They saw it important then, how much even more important is it is for us today. And let's talk about this last part here, this giving. Yeah. Giving. It's very important for us to understand that everything we have has been given to us. You say, well, no, I earned it. Well, who gave you the ability to earn it? God has given you everything. God has trusted you with everything that you have. Truly, God owns everything. You and I own nothing. In the truest sense of the word, we don't own things. We only manage things that God owns. I know you have penciled your name on it, and God allows us to pencil our names on it in crayons and pencils and all that, but he can take it back just like that if he wanted to. That's not the kind of God he is. But everything belongs to him, and he has entrusted you and me to manage his stuff. As followers of Jesus, he says, here you go. I'm going to trust you to manage this for me and do great things with it. It's an amazing and gracious arrangement. And he has given us so much that helps us and intends for us to use it to help others. And giving is a huge part of being a great manager of God's stuff. The scriptures are clear, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, from beginning to end, God is a giver. He expects us to give. Give to his work. Give to his mission. Give to resource. God chooses to use us. It helps others when we give, and God chooses to use giving to help us. He blesses us when we give to others. Are you kidding? That's an amazing thing. Now, I, I, again, just like serving, you may be looking around going, y'all don't, don't need my money. Look at this. Look at all these people. Look at all these people. Well, don't assume. It's not, about, it's not about that. It's not about how many people. This is about you, you following Jesus. Are you giving as you should? You say, well, you don't need me. Look, you got the lights. You got technology. Everything's going good. You don't need. No, here's the deal. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. It ain't about need, gang. What kind of God would God be if he needed your money? much of a God. If God needed your giving for his work to stay afloat, you're not all that. <laughs> no, it's not about need. You know what it's about? Obedience and love. We give out of obedience and love. We give out of obedience and love. You know why? Because it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. You say, well, I don't give and I'm fine. Oh, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're missing. 
You don't know what God wants to bless you with that he is holding back because you are so stinking stingy and greedy. It's about obedience and love. You say, well, I don't have enough. No, it's not about an amount. It's about a pattern of obedience and love and honoring God with all of the things that he has entrusted to you and to me. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, then you've just identified yourself as someone who needs to listen. Because if you're a giver, you're going, yep, you're right. You're right. I found it true in my own life. This is what they did back then. This is what we do now to put that into practice. Now, I know groups serve and giving, and groups serve and giving, groups serve and giving. We talk about it so much around here. It's almost, it runs the danger of becoming white noise. I just put some of you to sleep just then because you have this little machine that sounds like that in your bedroom. You're like, nap time? <laughs> right? Aren't we so spoiled that we buy machines to help us that makes noise, right? And you have children that you're trying to get to be quiet, and you put a machine to make noise. It doesn't make sense. Okay. This is not white noise. Some of you are looking at this, and you're going, well, I'm doing all of this. Okay, great. Wonderful. Then continue and find somebody else to help you. Find somebody else, encourage them, mentor them, bring somebody else along beside you. You're looking at that and you're going, well, I may not do all that, but I do more than most. I do my share. Well, this is not a quota. This is not a box to check. Or maybe you look at this and you're saying, I'm exhausted. I just need a break. I just need a break from all of this. I'm worn out. Well, here's the deal. Listen very carefully. Sometimes in life, we get ourselves into unhealthy patterns of behaviors. Unhealthy, we overcommit, we, 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 we over, over everything. We're so busy, we're over everything. We say yes to everything or yes to too many things, and then we get worn out. Here's the deal. You may need to take a step back and reconsider how you are doing these things. Because sometimes we do these things unhealthily in an unhealthy way or in an unhealthy pace, and we need to come back and do this healthily. It's not about needing a break from what. These things are normal, necessary, natural. But you may need a break from how you're doing it. You may need to come back and reconsider. How am I spending my time? I need a healthy rhythm. I need a healthier schedule so that I can make these things a part of my life in a healthy way. Now some of you are going, I, I would, man. I would do this, but I can't. I would, but I can't. I would, but I can't. I, kn I know we're busy. You can't say yes to everything, so make sure you say yes to the best things. Say yes to the best things. Yes to the best things. And these are some of the best things. Or maybe you look at this and go, man, I don't care. I don't give a rip. I ain't doing that. I ain't, and I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be fine. Maybe I'll get to it one day. But right now, I got too many other things going on. Well, here's the deal. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are free to make that conclusion. You can. Listen, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to do any of this. However, if you're not a follower of Jesus, aren't you inspired by this kind of stuff when you see other people do these things, when you see people do life together? Isn't that, isn't that kind of inspiring? Isn't that awesome? When you watch people serve and meet needs in other people's lives, isn't that inspiring to you? When you watch people give and meet needs in other people's lives and do good in the world, doesn't I know that's inspiring because we see it in the world around us for all kinds of things. But if you're a follower of Jesus, these are non-negotiables. It's not optional. You don't get to pick and choose. You want to do this healthily. You want to find a good rhythm and do these things, but these are the things that were a part of their lives then must be a part of our lives now. Here's what I want to do in the next handful of minutes. I want to ask you three questions. Three questions. 
When I'm done with the three, I'm going to put them up on the screen. You might want to take a picture of them so that you can kind of chew on them later. Because this is, this is a lot here. When you think of groups, serve, and giving, do you think of these things as sacrifice or normal behavior? Because they're normal behavior. These things are not sacrifice. This is just the way it ought to be. This is the way, this is what you have been called to as a follower of Jesus. It's just the way it should be. It's not sacrifice. So many times people look at normal things, normal behavior, and they see them as big sacrifices. Like somehow I'm helping God out. I'm doing God a favor, I'm doing the church a favor, and you guys better recognize that because I don't have to. Do you know what they call? Do you know what they call people who take normal things and, and do them like somehow they're big sacrifices? Do you know what they call people who take normal things and do them like they're some big sacrifice for the world around them? Some of you are thinking, yeah, they call them teenagers. <laughs> well... There's a reason why that behavior is, you know, oh, I did the dishes. I did the, I did the dishes. I did all the dishes. Well, they're your dishes. That's normal. You dirty them, you clean them. I did the laundry. The, all of it. I put it away. It's, oh, you got to go lay down. Right? It's your underwear. It's normal. I cleaned it. I cleaned the mess. I cleaned it. It's your mess. It's normal, right? You know we have a word for that. It's called immaturity. It's called self selfishness. It's called they don't get it. Hopefully one day they will. But so many times we bring that same kind of mindset, right? That we see groups as sacrifice. You don't understand. Tuesday night is my night. Everybody wants to be on Tuesday night, but Tuesday night is my jam. Tuesday night is the night. That's when I watch, fill in the blank, right? Wow. Okay, I get it. But see, it's just normal to meet in groups. It's not, it's not sacrifice. Oh, 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 serving, the sacrifice. Oh, here. And then you know the people that, that see serving is just sacrificial, and then they tell you how much they've served, right, how long it took and how exhausted they are and how hot it was. I'm sweating. It was so hot. It was stinking hot. I, could barely, I barely made it. Or they give, you know, God, are you watching this? Are you watching this? I don't see anybody else giving like I give, God. And these are normal behaviors. This tells a lot about your heart. Is this sacrifice or is it normal? I'm telling you, it's normal. It was normal for them back there, and they were closest to the action. It's still normal for followers of Jesus today. Second question. Do you see these things as obligation or opportunity? Do you see these things as I got to, I have to, or do you see it as I get to? I'm not saying you won't ever get tired. I'm not saying you won't ever need to reconsider how you're going about these things. Yeah, we've talked about that, but these are not a have to. These are not a got to. These are a I get to. Because this, see, when you see it as an opportunity and not an obligation, it changes your motivation, it changes your attitude, it changes your perspective, and it'll change how effective these things are in your lives. Groups. I gotta serve. I gotta serve. I don't want to feel guilty. Everybody else is doing it. You know, I'm just tired of people looking at me like, what's she doing? What's he doing? And I guess I better give. My goodness, evidently, people know. You know. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to be a freeloader. Right? Okay, well, thanks, but no thanks. This is not obligation, it's opportunity. 
One more, one more, and this is going to sound a little cheesy, okay? I just don't know any clearer way to ask this. Are these things about you? Are they about your relationship with Jesus? Are these things about you? Well, groups, I'm not a people person. I don't like people. They don't like me. Right? I don't know what to say. It's awkward. I get it. I'm not saying there's not challenges with groups. Sometimes you're in a group and you get in a group with people that are duds. You're like, no, I need a new group. (laughs) These people are whack. Okay. Okay. It's, It's not perfect. It's not perfect. You're not perfect. People aren't perfect. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm done with groups. Wait, is this about you and your comfort? Is this about you and what's convenient for you? Or is this about what Jesus says is important? You need a group of roots. This is important. Is this whole serving thing about you? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Are you realizing the reason I serve ultimately is because Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, was a servant. And he wants me to help others. And... In turn, it helps me. How many times do you hear people say, I get more out of serving than the people I'm serving? I get more out of it than they do because that's just the way God designed it. It's amazing. And this whole giving thing, is this about you? Give when it's convenient for you, and when you do, you want to make sure everybody knows, I gave, I made that possible. I give, I give. Well, is this about you or is this about a relationship with Jesus and what he said should be normal, natural behavior? you on this and let's put the things that were in their life back there in our lives here and in that way we will take our next steps and 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 it will drive us far beyond just attending church it's engaging let me pray for you and then i'm going to show you how to take a next step Father, thank you so much for the clarity that you have given us through the recording of what it looked like in the first century with this first group of Christians. Thank you for allowing us to peer in and at least see the key behaviors and the key things that were a part of their lives that help us evaluate the things that need to be in our lives. So help me, help us put these things into practice in healthy ways, in healthy rhythms. Help us to establish a group of roots. Help us to serve, help us to give. Because of how this helps others and because of how you want to help us through these same things. And may this take us way beyond just showing up and checking a box and attending church and saying, I was there, I showed up, I watched online, I'm good to go. Because you want so much more for us than just simply showing up. You want us to engage, and these are ways we can engage. So help me, help us take this seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the seat in front of you, or if you're sitting on the front row in the seat behind you, you're going to see a card that says your next step. And on this card in the back, you have several things you can indicate here, three of which, hey, I want to become part of a small group. Now, if you haven't texted 
Circle up to 41411 like we told you at the beginning of the service. Another way you can get in a group is by checking this box right here, putting in one of the tall wooden boxes, and we will contact you this week, and we will help you get closer to getting in a group, and we'll help you get a good one in, right? Serving on a volunteer team. If you're not serving somewhere, said, I don't know how to serve. We'll help you figure it out. We want to help you find a place to serve that is good for you. And what we mean good for you, it's a good match with your gifts and abilities and the things you do well. You know there's a way for you to serve using the things you're good at and the things you do well, right? Like if you hate little children, we're not going to ask you to volunteer in our children's ministry. Right, if you dry heave at the side of a diaper, we're not gonna put you back there. Everybody loses when that happens. But if you're like, oh, I love little kids, maybe that works for you. And you're like, man, no, I don't like to talk to people, but I, you know, put, me, put me behind the scenes where no one knows. There's plenty behind the scene things and you'll never be seen. You may not have to speak to anyone. And you can be as happy as can be. We'll help you find a place to serve if you're not serving. And... If you are interested in what it looks like to begin giving financially, you can indicate that there, and we will contact you, and here's the deal. A lot of people don't know what the options are. How can I give? You know, it's so easy, and maybe you're like, I want to take my next steps. I just need to know what to do first. E even if you need someone to come alongside of you and say, we can help you get financial counseling, financial mentoring. Maybe you need help establishing a budget. I don't know. We'd love to come alongside of you and help you take your next step because you don't know what you're missing when these things are not a part of your life. God has so much for you, and he wants to do through you. So let us help you take your next step. This card will help get the process rolling. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you're here or watching online from wherever. We'll see you next time. Bye.